something you can always depend on is that God's love does not fail. God's love is so intense, it, it, it grabs a hold of you like a wave and just draws you in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Dave Van Vickle, and I'm I'm all alone this week. Um, Gomer is giving a parish mission to some lucky parish, I believe, in Kansas or something like that. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and record just solo this week, so I hope you're okay with that. We have all kinds of stuff going on, right, coming up. People, I'm sure in your mind, you're preparing for Lent. You're starting to think about what you're going to do to get ready for Easter, all these things, good things. There's a lot of people out there who, a lot of men out there who just recently started Exodus 90, right? This this is a, this is a rich time of the year uh, for spiritual growth um, and for... Uh, really trying to focus on what is important, right? And and we're we're making that run to Easter, right? To uh, really meditate on what the reason God came, right? The the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, and those days before leading up to it, preparing our hearts to receive that mystery. You know, I was thinking about what what we want to do, what I want to do for this episode. And you know, you know, sometimes we we finish an episode, and and I think to myself like, oh, that that just wasn't practical. You know, uh, this is supposed to be a, a podcast about evangelization, and we just kind of droned on and on and on about you know whatever our opinions were about things. It wasn't wasn't really practical, and so I was you know just as I was watching the Super Bowl last night, I, I found it I don't know kind of boring. I started thinking like, well, what am I gonna what am I going to record here? You know, like I, I want to record something practical. What are things that have actually made a major difference in my ability to evangelize, in my ability to reach hearts, in my ability to um, to to reach people? And and again, when I say my ability, I hope that you know when I say things like that it slips out of my mouth. I think, well, I hope someone doesn't listen to this episode as their first one. I hope you realize when I say my ability, you know, I, I I'm fully saying that with the knowledge that grace builds on nature, right? That the Holy Spirit is is the primary mover of evangelization and that I'm just cooperating. Um and 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 I and to be honest with you, to be bluntly honest with you, that is you know, I, I mean I I have fallen into evangelization, right? I mean, I I'm not I'm not a, I would not say I'm a talented evangelist at all, okay? I, for one thing, I, I'm not I'm not very outgoing. I don't really like to meet new people, right? Um, I I don't like drama, so I'm not I'm not super reticent to jump into uh, asking a person all about their life story or anything like that. But for whatever reason, you know, God has given me the ability to walk with a lot of people. And I think one of the major reasons is just the willingness to be able to do that. Uh, to step out of the boat and walk with a lot of people um, into coming into friendship with him. But also, I don't know, maybe God just, I, I don't know what the reason is, but God has blessed me to be able to walk with a lot of people. But I, I want to just throw that out there that when I say my ability, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the tiniest ounce of my ability, right, uh, multiplied by eight 
million of the grace of Christ, right, in my life. That is where evangelization comes from. But but when I was thinking about were the different messages that are important to convey, the different messages that have made a difference. And what I'm going to say, what I want to talk about kind of this episode is going to be pretty obvious to you. I, I would think it would be pretty obvious to you. But I realized as I was thinking last night, what are the things that have made me an effective evangelist? What are the things that have made me able to reach people? Probably one of the most apparent things is that I have spent an inordinate amount of time reflecting on one subject, one aspect of God, right? Um, And that is his love for us. I would say that one of the most important things an evangelist can understand, can think about, can master, is being able to, uh, to communicate God's love to humanity, to another person. And we do it in so many different ways, but you should be able to, as an evangelist, do it in many different ways, right? We do it concretely through our own actions. We do it through speaking. We do it through questioning. We do it through a lot of different ways. But if I could point to one thing as to what has made me, if I've had any success in evangelization, if I could point to one thing, it has been able, it has been that I have been able to communicate the love of God effectively to other people. I remember pretty vividly the first time I ever felt God's love for me. I ever felt it in, let's say, an emotional way, okay, which it means very little. But when when you're when you're in when you're early in your life, right, when you're young and you have your conversion, emotions play a big role. And I remember I have a very vivid memory one summer. I, it had to have been either, I'm guessing, seventh grade or something, and we were at the Jersey Shore uh, for vacation. And the way it would work in our family is, we, you know, we go to the Jersey Shore pretty much every year, even, even when we lived in Texas, right? And my brothers and sisters, I'm the youngest of 10. They're all older than me. They were a lot of them were at Franciscan University going to school and a lot of their friends would come, you know, to the Jersey Shore with us or they might come in for a day or something like that. And I was always around Franciscan graduates, you know, and uh, one thing about Franciscan graduates is like, you know, they're constantly trying to convert you, you know, and stuff like that. And so I think they would see me as like the little brother and try to convert me and stuff like that, which, you know, wasn't, I wasn't antithetical to it or anything like that. But the reason why this sticks out to me this one summer is because it was like the summer for me, I don't know why I did this. I don't know if my friends were all doing it. Um, there's a picture that I have like hidden, like under a bunch of books because I don't want anyone to ever see it, but I had taken that product. It was called sun in and I had bleached my hair blonde (laughs) this summer and it, it looked terrible, just like it did for everybody, right? But I think it's like a rite of passage, okay? So I had bleached my hair blonde. And I remember one of the things about in the Jersey Shore is, right, like that there would be like beach chairs, okay? This is going to sound so crazy. There would be beach chairs. But usually the adults sat in the beach chairs, right, uh, to be more comfortable, right? And And there wasn't usually one open. And I remember like being at the beach, right? Going home and everybody was hanging out. I don't know if they were watching TV or if they were playing a game or something like that, but there was a lot of people there. And I remember my brother was making fun of me because I had bleached my hair, right? He was like teasing me, okay? And I remember like kind of getting frustrated and being like, I'm out of here, right? I'm going to I'm gonna go to the beach and I'm going to 
sit on the beach, like, you know, after dinner and I'm going to read my book. Okay. And I was re I had bought this book in the airport. It was a book about, it was like a cowboy thriller, something, a Western. And I, I remember vividly, right. Being frustrated and walking out of the house fast, grabbing my backpack and a beach chair and thinking, um, I'm going to go to the beach and just be alone for a little bit. And it was probably, I don't know, five o'clock. It was that time of the beach where there weren't that many people there. It was a little bit cooler. People were like back at, you know, having dinner or something like that. And I set up my beach chair and I was so excited to just sit there alone and read my book, you know, and it was just like ideal. It was like the most ideal thing, right? You could hear the waves. It wasn't that hot. It was like the sun was coming down. You could kind of see the, just the beauty of it. Quiet, hardly anybody there, just people walking on the beach, you know? And I opened my backpack and I realized I had taken the wrong backpack. I had grabbed somebody else's. I don't know if it was one of my sisters or brothers or if it was one of the people who came from that, one of their friends or something like that. But I had grabbed it and I thought to myself, well, I'm not walking back to the house. You know, what am I going to do? Am I just going to sit here? Am I going to go for a swim or something like that? And I reached into this bag and it had a disc man. Okay. So I'm aging myself here. If you remember what a disc man is, right? And it only had one CD in it. And there was also one book. And the one CD, I may have told this story before briefly, was a CD by a band called Jars of Clay, which a lot of, a lot of you will remember is a Christian band, right? During that time. And I don't know if you remember the disc man, but they were so awful. Like they, they would never work correctly and everything like that. And the book that was in this backpack was a book, a small brown book called Imitation of Christ. And as I said, I wasn't antithetical to anything Christian. I just maybe wasn't thinking about it at the time. But I thought to myself, look, I'm not going to go back and get my, I think I had a Walkman at the time, right, in my backpack. Um, I'm just going to sit here. I'll listen to whatever they have and I'll read this book. And I remember I just sat there over the next several hours in this beach chair on the beach with the waves coming up. I sat there until it was dark and I listened to the Jars of Clay CD. In particular, I listened to a song called Love Song for a Savior over and over and over again as I read that book, Imitation of Christ. I wouldn't say it was a moment of conversion. Okay, I wouldn't say that. It certainly wasn't um it certainly wasn't like the moment when I thought, okay, I just met Jesus Christ. It certainly wasn't that time. But I must have sat there for two or three hours. The effect was that I just had my heart, like the field of my heart was tilled, right? The soil in my heart was tilled by this moment, by this experience. Being frustrated, entering into something I didn't want to enter into, reading, listening to something I didn't want to listen to, right? It tilled, it tilled the soil in my heart, right? And, and it was a weird deal because it didn't cause a conversion, but it set me off on a path to be open to a conversion that would happen just a few years later. When I would give my life to the Lord, when I fall in love with Jesus, just head over heels, right? And I remember one of the last things I did, like as it was getting dark, right? And I couldn't read anymore. And I had been listening to the song over and over again is just sitting there and catching a glimpse of like the sunset, hearing the waves and just being so happy, right? I mean, in seventh grade, you have no concerns at all. 
no responsibilities, nothing like that. Just such a happy time. And just momentarily feeling like, wow, this moment seemed to be set up for me by God, right? God must really love us. God must really love us. That's that's the way I felt, right? Looking at the waves, looking at the ocean, feeling the sun, feeling the warmth, feeling the sand, the wind, everything. In my mind, it was like God must really love us to set this all up for us. And it was my first experience, right, of, of God's love, at least feeling it in that sense, right? Obviously, I had my family. I was born, you know, everything was fine, all that kind of stuff. I, I knew God loved me in an intellectual way, but it was kind of my first emotional experience of that God loved us. Two years later at a Steubenville conference when I gave my life to the Lord, it was my first experience of like, whoa, God loves me personally. And I've spent so much time thinking about that overwhelming love of God in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit, right? In every angle, how he loves us, how he loves me, how he loves you, how he loves. I've spent so much time thinking about that and meditating on it and letting it and, and coming to conclusions about it and throwing those conclusions out and starting over and, and going back constantly to the overwhelming love of God. It's, I, I can honestly say that I feel like this has had made a huge difference in my ability to evangelize because it is an irresistible kind of love, right? God's love is so overwhelming. It is irresistible. And and there are people who reject it, and there are people who shy away from it, and there are people who don't want to hear the message. But in one way or another, you kind of turn that person like a diamond, right? And eventually you're going to get to an angle where God's love can penetrate their heart. Eventually you're going to say the right thing. Eventually you're going to get them at the right moment. Eventually you're going to pray the right way or pray fervently enough that that God cracks them and and that that love is going to penetrate their heart and that it and that you know that one of the things as an evangelist that you can rest on one of the things that you can stand on and and that is solid under your your feet and is, is something you can always depend on is that God's love does not fail God's love is so intense, it, it it grabs a hold of you like a wave and just draws you in. But you gotta have that foothold, right? That there's that that moment. And so I, I would I would encourage us as, as evangelists, right? That we would spend time every day, even, right? Every day meditating on the love of God. And to literally start with, well. How does God love me in a, in nature? <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but God created the world for me, right? He created the world for me. Uh, Pope Benedict said, you know, all, all of creation, I'm summing this up, it's not an exact quote, all of creation, right, is, was meant as a place of encounter between God and man. He created all of this just for me. And, and, and it was something that I, I, that was a thought that I would think about, you know, if I was hiking you get to a mountaintop, you get to a beautiful river. I would think to myself in high school and college, this was created for one reason, for me to encounter God. I would think of that just from a natural standpoint. I would meditate on it, you know, from the fact of my, my family, right? That my, I was given to my family. My family was created for me and it was, it was created as a place where I was meant to encounter God. 
some people may have a hard time with that. That's okay because, again, we're, we're reflecting on all different kinds of ways that we can see God's love. I thought about even my body, right, that God had given me, you know, my, my body, like certain, certain aspects of it, right? A natural sense that God created me, that he knit me in my mother's womb, right? That this is, this is a evidence of just an overwhelming love that God had for me personally and for others. This is important, right, to, to, to start there, to think about the stars, to think about all of those kinds of things that maybe you don't think about, and see how they communicate God's love to us, right, God's incredible love to us. I also think about it from the aspect of redemption, right, that I think about it from the aspect of Jesus Christ, right, so if the love of God the Father, maybe the Creator, but from the aspect of Jesus Christ, right, that God loved us so much that he would not spare even his only son, right? And 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 not just spare him from the cross, but spare him from flesh. You you get that, right? You get this idea. And if you've ever, you know, been in love or dating or something like that, when you have those fuzzy feelings and you're away for a long time, right? What happens is you you rush back to the person that you're in love with, right? And I reflect on that often about how Christ, you know, as the word, as the logos, right? He's outside of time, obviously, and he wasn't impatient. <laughs> but think about it from human standards, right? That he he must have desired deeply, right? For the appointed time, ardently desired for the appointed time to rush to us, to run to his beloved. And then to think about, you know, uh, Father Reginald Gergou Lagrange, I remember he, he says something to the effect of like that even one small aspect of love one small action of love on the part of of a saint can do wonders one tiny one even microscopic action of love on the part of the savior has infinite reward so all he would have had to do was love us but we read in scripture right no greater love have you than this than to lay down your life for a friend so christ loves us so much right he has such a deep and unbelievable desire for us, an unbelievable, infinite love for us, that not only does he just do that one little action of love, but that he dies for us, lays down his life for us to show us the greatest example of what love is. Can you imagine, right, if the tiniest act of the love of a Savior could redeem all of mankind, what grace, what power, what magnificence is brought about by the Savior of the world, laying his life down for sinners. God is love, right, as the evangelist communicates to us. And he continually communicates his love to all of us. And understanding that in that act of redemption, right, that that God would have done it for any one of us had we been the only sinner here on earth, right, That, that Jesus would have died for any one of us. And above and beyond all that, right, that he died while we were still sinners, right, that he took the first step. It's it's so uncommon, right, for us to understand that kind of love, that he would love us first. But he knows how powerful his love is. He knows that if he can just get you to step your foot in that current, if he can get a hold of you, just a toehold, he can carry you away into his tsunami, right? Into his like rogue wave of love. And so it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to reflect on and to be able to communicate. 
to show people and to constantly witness to them that God loves them and knows them personally and loves every bit of them. You know, one of the things I always say in my in my talks is that the person who knows you the best loves you the most. And most people gloss over it. So I try to double down and I try to say, think about this, right? The God who created you, who knows every single thing about you, right? You don't get away from him. There's, there's no secrets from God. That that God, right, knows everything you've ever done, everything that's ever been done to you, everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever wished for, desired, every time you've ever blown him off, every time you've ever chosen sin instead of him. He knows every bit of that. And he is still completely and totally head over heels in love with you. That is an awe-inspiring gift, right? And it's something that everyone needs to hear, that the love of God is an overwhelming force in their life, whether they feel it or not. And, and not everyone's going to feel the love of God. Trust me, I, I know plenty of people, even in my own personal life, who have never really felt the love of God. And so we have to be able to also communicate on non-emotional ways. So I think the mercy of God is one way that's important for us to really express to people who don't feel it, right? God's love applied to our sin, that while we're still sinners, right, Christ died for us and that it wouldn't matter what the size of your sin was, that if you were repentant, if you were converting, that God's love makes up for all of that, that it's a super abundant love, that no matter what you've done, he still loves you and that that love is sufficient for us to be a part of him. Communicating God's mercy is usually one of the one of the steps in almost everyone's conversion, right? To understand the incredible mercy of God. Because there will be a time in almost every walk or journey, right, where uh, we we start to think about our sin. And when we start to think about our sin, what happens is this imaginary chasm starts to appear in our mind, or this, ma- this massive chasm between us and God. And the more you think about your sin, right, the greater that chasm becomes, right? And and in, in a certain sense, it's real, right? Sin is real. It separates us from God. It hurts us. It kills our soul, okay? But it also is crazy for us to think that we can ever get far enough away from God that he can't bridge that gap. And so communicating that to the sinner, communicating God's love applied to our sin is, is an important idea as well. And it, and it will be one of those hurdles, right, that every person who converts, who comes to the Lord, has to get over. I'm sure so much of this, you're you're just like kind of like nodding your head like, okay, yeah, Dave, get, get to the good stuff. Get to what we really need. But my point in, in, in all of this, my point in expressing this to you is that why, why would you think, right? I, I, w- I would guess that most of you out there, if you had a conversion experience or if you if you've just been kind of a living the life of discipleship your whole life, right? That most of you out there would would say like, well, yeah, it's because of God's love. Like I felt God's love at one moment, or I realized God's love at one moment, or I or this or that. Why would we think it's going to be different for anyone else? I, I believe in apologetics and I believe in learning responses and I believe in hospitality and I believe in all those things, but 
all of them should be an extension of us trying to communicate God's irresistible love for humanity. Uh, and I think when we communicate God's love, we have to remind, make sure that we communicate it in just a few ways. The first is this, that God, God's love is what keeps us in existence, right? He created us to love, right? He, God is love. He wanted to share that love, right? It's fecundity, right? That the good desires to propagate itself. And as love, right, he wanted to share that love. And so he creates all of this for love of us. But he's not some like impersonal force or impersonal deity. He's a person. And so we need to also communicate that that love is personal, that he knows you and desires for you to know him and desires for you to know him personally, to have an actual personal relationship with God who is infinite love. We also need to communicate that God's love is applied to our sin in his mercy, that his great mercy is, is, is it's his greatest attribute, right? God's mercy is his greatest attribute, that he, nothing can keep us, nothing can separate us from the mercy of God so long as we avail ourselves of it. And finally, I would communicate this, that God's love is, you could say romantic, you could say uh, aggressive, you could say passionate, but don't say it's boring <laughs> because it's just not. God's love is uh, fierce, right? You read the Song of Songs, right? And this is about God's love for us. His love is so fierce and it's important to communicate this. Why? Because God's not a club that you join. He's coming after you. He's coming after all of us, after all of our hearts. He's desperately waiting for this. You know, this is something that, you know, when you give retreats, like on retreat ministry, people say things like this. Well, I gave up a weekend to come here, you know? Yeah, I guess in a sense you did. You responded to something. But let's try to remember this, that God drew you to this. God drew you into he draws us into these moments when we can encounter him, that he was there whispering into our ear, whispering into our hearts to draw us out of ourselves, that he's constantly been there chasing us, wooing us, romancing us, that he's not going to stop and that it, it won't ever stop, right? That this will continue to be the most passionate relationship that you will ever have in your life. It will be a love that totally and completely fulfills you and, and will continue to experience infinitude, right? You're going to experience a love that can never be, the depths can never be plumbed completely. Not ever. It's not a love that will ever, ever, ever disappoint. I think those things are important to communicate and for us to learn how to communicate them in normal conversation. Even things as simple as just telling them how much God loves you. I always say that to my children. I love you so much, but I always want you to remember God loves you infinitely more than I could ever love you. It's not to make them feel bad. It's not to make them confuse so that they realize, right, that God's love is coming after them and you and me. It's an overwhelming thought. So I would just encourage you, brothers and sisters, as evangelists, as coworkers in the vineyard, right, that you take time to meditate 
on this one aspect of God's goodness, right? This primary aspect, right? Faith, right, ends in possession, right? Our faith ends in seeing, hope ends in possession, but love never ends, right? This is who God is. And if it's who God is, right, as the evangelist says that God is love, why, why would we not become experts in communicating that? There's a legend that St. John the Apostle, right, when he was old and infirm, that that's pretty much all he would say. They would carry him around, right? And and he would just say, my little children, God is love. And that would be it. That would be his message. No wonder. Why? Because that is that message is sufficient. So, brothers and sisters, uh, I, I would encourage you uh, as evangelists or maybe just disciples, right, that you continually reflect on the love of God the love of God in your own life. Go back and think about memories when you experience God's love. Go back and think about those times, right? Why? Not because you're just going to like write them down in a journal and help others to recognize, oh, maybe that was a time for you. No, but the more we reflect on this, how God's love kind of seeps in to the stony, the cracks in our stony heart, we can start to recognize it in other people and we can start to communicate it to other people. I, I know, I know when I sit back, I'm not very good at communicating, but I know when I sit back and I think about what has ever, any success I've had as, as, as an evangelist, what has had such a big effect on it? And, and it is this, this one thing, I think. I think this is probably one of the most important things. And that is the ability to communicate God's love to other people. And so I say to you, I love you. Gomer loves you. We love you. God loves you infinitely more and desperately desires a relationship with you that is fierce and passionate and more real and more authentic and deeper than any relationship you have on earth. Think of the moment that you felt the most loved by something natural, by your parents, by by anything, by anyone, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a father, mother. And think about that God's love is infinite. That what you felt there is nothing compared to the love of God. Because it does not disappoint. Brothers and sisters, we thank you so much for tuning in each week. Sorry that Gomer wasn't able to join us. We're so happy to be a part of the Ascension Press community. Uh, we we love what they do. We love their their brand and their model. And so we're, we're excited to be a part of it. And uh, as always, we want to hear from you. We got a bunch of emails this week, which when uh, when Gomer gets back, we'll we'll get into those emails. And uh, thank you so much. If you have a question or a comment about uh, the podcast or want to ask about anything in ministry or evangelization, we've kind of seen it all. You can email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. That's eksb at ascensionpress.com. And we love to hear from you all the time. So thank you so much. Keep us in your prayers. We pray for you every single day. God bless you all.